0: Love, talk radio. welcome you're listening to perfectly healthy and tone radio with your host Darren Batman McDuck and now prepare to Hey, hey, what's cracking? And welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. Good show tonight. We're going to be talking about holistic dentistry with Dr. Lori Miller-Stevens. There's a lot of things out there that I want to know about my teeth, and I'm going to be able to ask Dr. Stevens about that. If you're interested in asking her any questions, please call into the switchboard. The number is 646 seven one six ninety three seventy one. Again the number is six four six seven one six ninety three seventy one. As always, join me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook at Facebook dot com slash the Fat Man Radio Show. You can find me there and join me there and you can get the latest updates on the show and what's coming up uh, on the show. Other thing is join me on Twitter. Um I don't know if Twitter's old hat now. Uh, maybe it is, but you can still join me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is the fat underscore man. So the fat underscore man, and fat is spelled P H A T, which stands for perfectly healthy in tone. So you can join me there. I'm actually on Pinterest as well. Don't use Pinterest as as much, but you can find me on Pinterest, um, and you can join me on those social media things and find out what's going on with me and find out the latest updates on the show. Last week we had Dr. Bruce Fife on the show talking about the uh, coconut oil miracle. So if you want to know all there is to know about coconut oil, you can check that show out in the archives or you can download the show on iTunes. All the shows are in iTunes and you can download them and listen to them in your car, which is what I like to do with different other different podcasts and uh or listening to them while I'm in the gym or sitting in the sauna at the gym or whatever you like to do when you chill out. So you can Uh, definitely take those shows with you and learn on the go. So tonight, we are talking about holistic dentistry. A lot of times the mouth, they say the eyes are the window to the soul. I guess the mouth is the window to the body. So you can actually um, tell a lot about a person's health by looking into their mouth. And Dr. Laurie Miller-Stevens is going to actually tell us a whole lot more about that. So, let me bring Dr. Stevens on the show. Let me see if I can see her in the switchboard. Dr. Stevens, are you there?
1: I am. Hello. How are you, Darren?
0: I am doing awesome. Welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight?
1: Doing fine, thanks. Glad to Glad to be here.
0: I am so glad you are here. I have a ton of questions to ask you as we were talking them off the air. I'm saving them for being on the air, but I have some questions for you, and we'll get to those, but... First of all, when I have a guest on, I just usually like to ask them how they got started. And my million-dollar question for you is, what made you get started in holistic dentistry when you could have gone in to what I would call conventional dentistry?
1: Well, that's a good question. And um, I actually practiced in conventional dentistry for about 25 years and began to get sick. And as as I tried to find out what was wrong with me and and, um, you know why was I getting sick um i i my my search and research led me to um mercury toxicity, which I have been around for now um almost thirty five years Mm-hmm. And as a dental assistant, we used to mix liquid mercury with powdered metal to create the amalgam that would go into the mouth. And even with a cheesecloth, we would squeeze out the extra mercury. And, of course, the dental offices back then had shag carpet. And we know, most people know that it's the mercury vapor that is um, so toxic. So if we any little bit of mercury we spilled, sat in that shag carpet, and we sat over it and breathed it all day. And so um the, the the research shows that dentists are really sick people as a group. We take more respiratory, more cardiovascular, more neurologic and more neuropsychologic drugs than any other group of people. So that may that may that may explain why we're we act like the mad hatter's. <laughs> so that's how that's how I got started in in um Holistic dentistry and trying to protect myself and my patients and um, my staff from mm-hmm. uh, the number one the number one toxic material in dentistry, of course, is the mercury. And um, I'll go ahead and just start talking about the fillings, if that's okay. The, the mercury yeah, that, amalgam fillings. Yeah, that'd be great.
0: Let, yeah, let's get into that. And actually, um, while you're you're tackling that, um, are those outlawed now, or are dentists still using those?
1: No they're not outlawed as a matter of fact. the uh, Minamata Convention in Japan was held late last year, which was a worldwide um uh meeting to try to get all countries, all nations to um phase out the use of mercury uh Dentistry is still the second largest user. Of mercury and and there are still dentists putting mercury amalgam fillings in now, this is a controversial controversial subject for a lot of people, very emotional issue um, and even to call fillings mercury fillings if If the Federal Trade Commission were making a ruling on this because the filling material is more than fifty percent mercury, you know in food, the Food and Drug Administration makes you call if your if your cheese puffs are not made of cheese they make you call them cheesy puffs if they're not real cheese but you know you you can't use the word cheese if that's not a primary ingredient so federal trade commission kind of does the same thing no in in other circumstances not in amalgam um amalgam or silver fillings is the is the word most people are familiar with but the mixture, the content of the filling material is actually 50 to 54% mercury. So being the primary ingredient, to be technical, they really should be called mercury fillings. But we're not you know, and the ADA has not um, allowed that through the years. But I think people are realizing the makeup of that material is really more than 50% mercury. So, um, you know, I, that was not a focus of, of uh, what we learned in dental school. That was not a focus of um, of um, dental meetings I went to for years and years. And um, And I think that there are so many toxins in our environment now that our – uh, susceptibility to toxins is much lowered. And so we have a lot of folks now, if you look at the people that are becoming um, sick earlier and earlier, look how young people are getting cancer, look how, how many people are getting Parkinson's or Lou Gehrig's disease or MS, mm-hmm. All of these, all of these severely debilitating diseases are really a reaction to your level of toxins and toxins are not one plus one equals two. Toxins are one times one, or one plus one equals 100 times more toxicity. So two toxins together is 100 times more toxic than one toxin plus another. So it's not one plus one equals two. It's an exponential um, increase in the amount of destruction to the body, or the amount of toxicity to the body. So the, one of the most important things that people should know about silver amalgam, mercury fillings, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. when they are taken out, it's a very, very, um, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? You have to be very careful taking them out because when people say, I want to get these mercury fillings out, if you just go drill them out The way I did for years before I knew there was a particular protocol to protect myself, the staff, and the patient, Mm -hmm. then you're exposed to a lot of mercury vapor when you're drilling those old fillings out. When they're already hard, you have to cut them out. So there's a a particular um, protocol that you should go by ahead and mentioned the Vanguard group of um, Science and Research regarding Mercury. We just had our thirtieth anniversary. The group is called the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. Um, in short the IAOMT.org dot org is their website um, They're the Vanguard um group that started thirty years ago, started funding research. To actually show the science, there were a lot of people. Hal Huggins was one of the first, most vocal dentists who spoke out in mm-hmm. in this um, in the last thirty or forty years about mercury and its um and its toxicity. That that argument's been going on for 150 years because amalgam fillings have been around for that long or just about that long. So the argument has been going on for that long, but. Recently, in recent years, Hal Huggins kind of started that movement again, and there are a lot of other folks who have who have um who have um championed this um this this quest to to show the science and let people know that having amalgam fillings in your mouth, you are exposed continuously. To mercury vapor. I was taught in school that the mercury, once it was mixed with the powder amalgam, the powder um, metal, that the mercury became inert and it did not come out. Well, mm-hmm. the IAOMT research plainly shows that um, the vapor does come out, and even you know um, there there's lots of research, not just from that group, but there's lots of research that says if you have those fillings in your mouth, you are being exposed. To mercury vapor and you can go to the iaomt.org website they have a great library we just opened this um, to the public we just got it all online and all digitized and there are over 900 research articles that are they're free for people to look at to read their videos of actual uh, one video is a, a 25 year old filling in a tooth that has been extracted for um almost that long and mm-hmm. the mercury is still coming out they show the mercury um vapor uh, in front of a fluorescent screen and it shows the mercury vapor when particularly when the tooth is is um scratched which mimics the chewing motion, or when it's heated, they rub it with a pencil eraser to just increase the temperature, and the smoke comes off more, and that's the mercury vapor that is visible to the eye because of the fluorescent screen behind it. And um, and so um, the IOMT does lots of research, teaching, um, spreading the word. There were... Um, uh, representatives at the Minamata Convention in Japan to try to uh, phase out and, and, and particularly uh, phase out the use of mercury in dentistry because we're the second largest contributor of mercury or user of mercury um, in the world. It's 340 tons a year. And that's, you know, mercury is the most toxic element other than the radioactive elements. And so hmm. it it is toxic and we need to stop, and, and in Georgia, we, in many states actually, but Georgia, we don't have to have mercury separators in our dental offices, so we can drill out the old um, amalgam fillings, creating the mercury vapor in the office, and then, of course, this, this, the, um, the water and and the particulate matter that is removed from the mouth can go right out into the sewer and right back into potable water. So dentistry is the largest contributor of mercury into our drinking water system. And so some states have mandatory mercury separators. I have one, of course, in my office, but it's not mandatory in my state. So we're working... um, uh very closely with the EPA to try to get the EPA to regulate that um because the ADA has suggested that people have them but it's not mandatory at all and so we want to we want to help patients not be contaminated through their mouth or through their drinking water, and there are other uses for mercury too, but, but a really strong phase out in the use of mercury in, in medicine particularly. You know, you don't get mercury thermometers anymore, that kind of thing. So so the use of mercury is is uh, going down in many ways. Unfortunately, light bulbs, it seems to be going up in the use of light bulbs. So um, fluorescent light bulbs do use mercury. So um, we we need to we need to be aware of that too, and have people um, uh, show their displeasure at these new fluorescent light bulbs. Because in, incandescent fl- uh, light bulbs are going by the wayside, and they're mm-hmm. and they're much safer, as far as I'm concerned. They do use more electricity, and of course, coal burning power um, plants do create some mercury um, into the atmosphere too. So, in in the long run, um, I think if we can use less electricity with the coal from coal and less electricity from the light bulbs without using mercury in the light bulbs, that'd be the best, um, that'd be the best thing there. I didn't mean to uh, digress into light bulbs there. there, So help me get back on track.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's okay. Actually, I was going to ask you because um, you mentioned a specific protocol to take the Mm -hmm. mercury fillings out. And I remember when I, I, I did mine about four years ago, maybe, longer than that, maybe five or six Mm -hmm. years ago, and I thought that I was doing everything so right. But I Mm remember that the dentist didn't do anything, and I'm here in Florida. The dentist didn't do anything other Mm -hmm. than just drill them out. So I know I have mercury toxicity, and I still have one that he told me that he couldn't take out because something Mm -hmm. would have happened to the tooth. But I'm just wondering Mm -hmm. how involved is that process? Um, well it's not it's not out.
1: it's not really right and it's not really that involved when you get somebody who is familiar with um call and and I'm on that board of directors for that organization and I'm in the in the midst of writing um some presentation materials to to just share with people what is involved in the protocol on my website I have a little video that explains it for my patients. But um in general there is no quote unquote the protocol. There is a large number of dentists now um who are using some forms of accepted um, methods or or um measures for quote-unquote, the protocol. But basically what should happen is the patient should be draped. Um, the dental staff should be draped. We know that the mercury vapor is um, uh, absorbed 80%, whatever 80% of what goes into the lungs is absorbed in the, into the body and quickly crosses the blood-brain barrier. It uh, Mercury has an affinity for... Um, for tissues like brain tissue, liver, lungs, stomach, and so we know it, it it quickly finds its way into hiding places in your body. So 80% of the vapor is is um, absorbed, <clears throat> and so alternate air source for the patient and the staff. They don't they need to be um, breathing something other than the ambient air. Uh, a large suction, a large volume suction. People may see. Um, Either on the IAOMT, there are pictures on their website. There are pictures on my website. Mine is gaholisticdentist.com, and I've got some pictures and a little video there. But you need a a large volume suction that's outside the mouth. looks like a a kind of a big elephant nose suction that is is there in front of the patient's face to um, just create a vacuum to suck that air that is coming out of the mouth where Uh, you chunk the amalgam in pieces and um, that may not mean anything to to a non-dentist but um, you don't want to grind it into into powder you want to chunk it in pieces and the way we used to have to cut um, the hole to put the amalgam fillings in they're wider at the bottom than they are at the top so you have to cut that so that those pieces will come out. It's kind of like uh, sticking your hand in a mayonnaise jar and then ball up your fist. It won't really come out. So we Mm -hmm. have to cut them in a way that they come out in big chunks because that is less particulate matter. There's um, new studies out now with some of the IOMT members doing um, research even in their own office with mercury vapor analyzers. And uh, Dr. Oz had one on not too long ago, six months or so ago, and he showed the mercury vapor being measured as they just brushed an amalgam filling or whatever. Well, those mercury analyzers show us that the particulate matter, the little pieces or the powder of that amalgam, mostly hits the dentist in the face and uh, gets the assistant's leg um, not um, if it's not suctioned with high-volume suction inside the mouth and outside the mouth. So another thing that most people are aware of is called a dental dam, and that is a cover that goes over the patient's mouth, and it just has that tooth or whichever teeth are being worked on um, exposed. So that keeps um, vapor and particulate matter from going down the patient's uh, mouth and throat. And so a lot of people will use um, an activated charcoal slurry or a charcoal powder to have the patient either swish and swallow before they start the procedure or I like to use a charcoal powder um, dusted around that area inside the mouth under the dental dam. And we know that that, uh, rubber Gloves and rubber dental dam are not as effective at protecting the patient and the staff as are nitrile. And so many people are, are are allergic to latex rubber gloves anymore. This day and age, I don't use any rubber in my office, but the nitrile is better. So you're draping the patient. You've got a big suction inside, big suction outside. Uh, you've uh, rinsed and dusted with some activated charcoal. You've got that dental dam on, um, and and in my office there are different kinds of alternate air sources for the dental staff to use but i use a full face uh, a full face mask that is um basically um like a gas mask sort of not like you've seen you know in the in the old army movies but it basically has canisters that um that uh, filter the air that I'm breathing, then we have an alternate air source for the patient underneath the the uh, cover, the dental dam that goes over the mouth. They have a, a mask over their nose to protect them. And um, and you don't have to do any particular, like it doesn't have to be oxygen. It can be like air from a scuba uh, tank that's just regular breathing air. We just don't want the patient breathing the air that we're trying to um, have go up that big suction while we're taking the amalgam out. And the patients should be covered. I mean, their hair should be covered. Their face should be covered. Their clothes should be covered. They should be covered because the plume or the cloud that comes out when you use a dental handpiece, the water's there to cool everything, but it creates a cloud, a cloud of of that dust and water. And so we use a uh, a large volume suction inside the mouth, on top of the uh, dental dam and then we also use that big one outside. So we're really creating a vacuum to suction and filter that um that plume as we drill on the tooth, we want to we want to suction and clean and filter that plume as quickly as we can. Now, the patients should be in 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 good uh health as far as kidney and liver function because no system is perfect and um the The silver filling or amalgam uh, mercury filling is in contact with the tooth. And teeth have three to nine miles of tubules or water pipes in them. Back teeth have um, usually about six to nine miles of of little water pipes in them. That's usually where the the amalgam fillings are, is in the back teeth. So that that amalgam is already in contact with the tooth. So there's going to be some of that. you know, although small, there's gonna be some amount of that that is drawn into those tubules, so the body's gonna to have to be able to excrete um some of that mercury. There's gonna be some um contamination even with even with you know barriers if you use all the barriers and they're different i I didn't mention that there are some differences from office to office as to what what uh, barriers to be used. there's different kinds of sections one's called a clean up uh some some dentists will use um uh different combinations or different types of masks or alternate air source um different types of of uh drapes and there are people i 'll go ahead and mention this there are people that we say quote unquote are allergic to mercury that 's kind of just a, a just a general layman 's term there are different uh, uh genetic uh mutations that some people are more sensitive or they are more harmed um more easily from mercury and and when a dentist is that sensitive then he has to take extra precautions um And if the patient is that sensitive, then there have to be extra precautions. And those are DNA tests to see if they have that genetic mutation that makes you more susceptible. So you'll see some pictures on the IOMT website. You'll see some pictures of dentists and staff in Tyvek hazmat type suits. You know, they've got the the hood and everything on. Not everybody wears that. You know somewhere surgical gown, so there are differences in the protocols, but those are the those are the um high points you know masks, coverage um some kind of dental dam, some kind of suctions um uh an ion generator that generates negative ions that's going to help to um to make that uh mercury whatever um uh vaporized mercury make it less. Um, liable to react with you, and yeah, right. um, um, air the air filters too. You know we've got HEPA filters and mercury filters and and lots of stuff to help keep everybody safe. And then of course yeah. the the waste removal is really important too. Of what you know, we want to be sure that doesn't go in the sewer. You know that mercury sludge that was once the mercury is drilled out of the mouth. You want to be sure it's not going in your drinking water
0: yeah uh Dr. Stevens, real quick. um, I see two people that are in the switchboard. If you have a question for Dr. Stevens, just hit one and I'll know that you have a question, and I can bring you on the air um again, the number is uh six four six is anyone out there listening. We're halfway through the show. The number six four six seven one six. 9371 to call in and get your question answered by uh, dr stevens and those of you who are already in the switchboard who have a question just hit one and i will see that you have a question and i will bring you on Um, it sounds like it's real serious this mercury stuff i wanted to jump into another area of controversy so to speak and that is fluoride i've heard a lot of different things on fluoride what's your what's your uh, stance on that
1: Well, fluoride is the most reactive element there is. Fluoride wants to jump on something else and react with something else more than any other element. And fluoride is um, basically toxic, very toxic. Um, The research that was done back in the 40s that said uh, fluoride helped teeth, helped reduce decay and that kind of thing, was done by the... Excuse me, by the same research company that did the asbestos research. So that might tell you something. It was also um, it was also funded by um, large industry chem- uh, chemical industry um, here in the United States. So if you look over over the last fifty or sixty years, um, there is not a correlation between fluoridated water and less decay. There are areas. That have never been fluoridated, that actually have less decay than areas that were fluoridated, it's a very controversial um, <clears throat> it's a very controversial topic and if you if you really find out where the fluoride in municipal water systems comes from ninety one percent of those municipal water systems, the fluoride is not sodium fluoride pharmaceutical grade. It is actually toxic waste from the petrochemical fertilizer industry, and their air scrubbers that catch that um, smoke or smog coming out of their smokestacks. The EPA won't allow them to let that go out into the atmosphere, so they have those scrubbers. That's where 91% of the fluoride that goes in municipal water systems comes from. It's it's industry chemical industry waste. And that's shocking to most people, but there is no evidence that fluoride reduces decay, and there is lots of evidence, um, studies that have done been done in China and then reproduced again in the United States that shows fluoride is um, detrimental to IQ. It's detrimental to the teeth and the formation of, of normal, healthy um, enamel. It hit uh, one of the things that it. Helps to do is calcify the pineal gland, which is an emotional type center that helps with the hormones and the emotions um, It also causes early puberty. If you look at kids these these days, puberty is happening earlier and earlier and earlier and then mm-hmm. many of us many of us remember that um, that in the concentration camps in Germany the prisoners were given fluoride to make them lethargic and make them apathetic so fluoride is is not is it's not good, and i had would have everybody avoid it in in yeah. all circumstances
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna blow your mind right now Have you ever um read the book the plutonium Files?
1: I have not
0: Pick that book up that book um it talks about the 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 gentleman i believe his name is Hal Hodges the gentleman that was linked to uh inventing the um the bomb uh the what mm-hmm. is the atomic bomb the
1: hydrogen bomb it, it, mm-hmm.
0: yeah it, it goes through that whole thing of how all of these people were affiliated and how they were the ones that kind of uh recommended that we started putting fluoride in in our water but it's a really really good well, book so it's not a, a long book but really really mm-hmm. good book
1: it fluoride is they they need a place to get rid of the waste, and if you look mm-hmm. at the quote unquote natural high fluoride levels in um the western United States look at how many bombs were tested there and it is an it is a byproduct of testing bombs just like as a side note in in north georgia where i live there is naturally quote unquote naturally a high level of arsenic in the water table Well, that's from the poultry industry because they put arsenic in the chicken feed to keep the bugs out. And so that natural high fluoride level in the Western United States, I think, can be traced to the testing of the bombs. You're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If if anybody's out there and you're listening, that book is called The Plutonium Files. It's a 400-page book, but it's well worth the read, and it kind of puts everything together. Um, Really, really well-researched book as well. And I think that they – talked about that it, uh president clinton when he was in office actually apologized for that whole fiasco and what went on but nobody really paid any attention to it but pick that book That's up That's right. Yeah. Um another thing that someone wanted me to ask you about was uh just uh, oil pulling. How do you feel about oil pulling? That's become a rage now and everybody's into that but um what's the any advantages to that I, or I,
1: Well, I think that oil pulling is from what I see in myself and my patients I think it's very um it's very um beneficial oil pulling I think the history is um started in in ayurvedic medicine and they used to use safflower oil or sunflower oil some of the other oils but the one that's most popular now is coconut oil and I think coconut oil is a super super um um Natural ingredient that that we have that's very um, very beneficial. I won't go into it since you just had that last week. I won't talk a lot about it. The one thing that I would like to see is some research on what the oil does to dental cements. And that's my only that's my only reservation. Is that some of the older cements may be um, may be um, they're the the old cements and I say old I've I've been in dentistry for 35 years so the cements that I started using back in the early 80s. Are not really used much anymore, and those are the cements that I worry about, the oil may have some uh, detriment to. So that's my only reservation, but I haven't seen any research on it yet. That's just a personal reservation that I have. But I do know that coconut oil is very beneficial. And just briefly, the Alzheimer's um, groups suggest five to nine tablespoons a day to be ingested if you have Alzheimer's in your family. Also, um, the ADD, ADHD groups say three to five. 5 tablespoons a day um for anybody with ADD or ADHD and so i know that coconut oil is um a combination of capric caprylic and lauric acids and they are antiviral antifungal antiprotozoan and antibacterial my take just as a quick um how does it work what does it do i think it i think it lowers the body burden of microbes in the mouth and when you um, when you swish and hold that, it kills those bugs in the mouth. And then, you know, bugs in the body, they have a predilection for where they like to live, and yet they travel throughout the body. You know, we are more microbes than we are our own cells. And um, and so when that, when that ratio of good bugs to bad bugs gets um, switched and we have more bad bugs than we have good bugs, I think that oil pulling really does help to... Um, to replace that balance between good bugs and bad bugs, now, and and so I see a lot of benefit, and I see patients begin to um, to have better health, and I think that's one of the things that um, when people are trying to get into a healthy lifestyle, going gluten gluten free, and um, of course you know getting rid of um, you know artificial sweeteners and and chemicals and dyes and food additives, um, that's one of the things they start doing is oil pulling. I, I think it's great.
0: Good, good. Um, Again, if you're in the switchboard and you're bashful, you have a little bit of time to ask your question. If you want to get on, you are uh, just hit one on the switchboard, and I will see that you have a question and bring you on. Otherwise, we're going to roll on with the show. Um, Let's talk about the health of someone's mouth. I know that you've seen many, many mouths in your your practice. Mm -hmm. What can you tell about someone's health um, from their mouth?
1: Oh, gosh, the first thing probably is, um, well, and everybody can tell this. Sometimes you talk to somebody and even two or three feet away, you get this horrible odor from their mouth, and that's the (laughs) sulfur compounds from people who have gum disease. And so gum disease is one of the very first things that that you can tell by looking in somebody's mouth. And gum disease is an autoimmune disease. So you basically become allergic to um, your own uh tissues and that happens so many times now so many of us have autoimmune autoimmune issues and one example is that the um the plaque collects around the teeth and the plaque is of course just bacteria it's just you know 90% microbes and as that as that plaque accumulates the the plaque begins to change its composition of good bugs and bad bugs. And as the plaque gets older, it gets more and more of the bad bugs that are anaerobic. They don't like oxygen. It starts to, that plaque and tartar start to form down under the gum where there's no oxygen. And that's when it really gets detrimental when those bad bugs move into those places that oxygen can't get to. And when that happens, then the body recognizes that that basically those bacteria eat, and breathe and poop like we do and their waste products are acid and they are toxic and our body begins to recognize those toxins and try to fight those toxins. Well, an autoimmune issue occurs when your body gets a little bit confused and it can't tell what's the toxin and what's the bacteria and what's your bone or your gum or your connective tissue and the body then starts to destroy your own tissue thinking that it is those toxins because it is always intimately involved with those tissues in the mouth then the body actually starts to destroy itself and that's basically that can happen with your thyroid with Hashimoto's you know most people have had some kind of virus or something before they develop Hashimoto's And, and that's how autoimmune issues happen is the body's trying to protect itself, and it actually starts to destroy itself. So gum disease is one of the first things we can see. One of the things that I've been studying for the last year and a half or so is tongue diagnosis, and I see lots and lots and lots of patients with big, fat, thick tongues that's a sign of digestive issues. If you have scallops on your tongues, if you have uh, the, you know, when you stick your tongue out, you have kind of teeth marks on your tongue. That means your tongue is swollen. That's a sign of thyroid issues, digestive issues. Um, a lot of people have a coating on their tongue, a thick coating. Um, that's digestive issues. it can be um in Chinese medicine they can um they call that sometimes um and i 'm not well versed in chinese medicine so um a caller may correct call in and correct me feel feel free if you if if the caller's know more than I do about chinese medicine but um <laughs> they can that they can sometimes call that um too wet or too much of the water element um for the tongue you can look at um a a very very interesting um issue for me is grinding teeth crowded teeth Um, extra thick bones in the mouth Um, some people will have a little growth in the roof of their mouth the bone gets a little thick there or down by the lower front teeth they get some extra bone growing there that's from clenchers and grinders people who clench and grind their teeth then the body tries to absorb that shock and it makes the bone thicker well um, i have through the over the past years, been just noticing people who clench and grind have this added bone. Well, I also have put two and two together, and they those people who clench and grind, um, it comes from an airway issue. and airway issues can come from too much mucus, and back to um, like the Chinese uh, they call too much water element, uh, a wet mm. spleen, or too much mucus in the body makes it hard to breathe at night um and during the day and too much stress also causes us to shallow breathe and our breath patterns get skewed and we don't breathe deeply um uh like we ought to <clears throat> and that skews our, our carbon dioxide oxygen ratio which has a whole effect on the growth of the mouth it relates to um, uh, causes crowding of the teeth. Um, also, if the carbon dioxide ratios are not right because of shallow breathing, um, it can actually cause sleep apnea and um, snoring and things like that. It's not just a obstruction because somebody's overweight and their soft palate makes them snore or obstructs their airway. It has to do with how we breathe during the day and um, how much stress we're under. And also leaky gut. Leaky gut comes from, I think, from uh, toxins in the body that um, allow the gut to leak undigested proteins into the bloodstream, which is a large part of that connection of the autoimmune issues we see so much these days. But I'm excited. I do the webinars for the Holistic Dental Association. I'm excited to have a webinar tomorrow night on boot. Buteco breathing, I think I'm saying that right. So I'm interested to learn more about that and how our shallow breathing during the day because of stress affects our breathing at night. And um, that carbon dioxide ratio actually helps to start the diabetes process. It helps to start the um, high blood pressure process. Um, Has many of the, has an ill effect on um many of our of our body functions if we don 't get the right carbon dioxide oxygen ratio, and so um just to start um belly breathing to make your belly come out to really get a good breath if people will start practicing that, we stay so stressed and dentists uh and dental staff members uh particularly we hold our breath a lot because we 're so close to people and um, um i 've been in so. dentist Yeah, I've been in dentistry for a long time before we started wearing gloves and masks and all that, and so you just kind of didn't breathe over somebody. And so that may be part of the reason that dentists are so sick because we take, you know, I mentioned all those medicines earlier that we take more so than any other group of people. And so I'm really excited just to learn how to breathe. That sounds crazy, but I just want to learn how to breathe right again. And so um, deep breathing with exercise and breathing through your nose is really important. Mm-hmm. One yeah, little a trick. Of... I, I, I think I mentioned one little trick to you earlier, Darren. If if people want to relax, if you close the left nostril and breathe um, for you know a, a minute, half a minute, something like that, ten or twenty good breaths out through your right nostril, that'll help you relax. Or if you get a little drowsy or sleepy and you want to be alert, close the right nostril. And breathe through that for a while. So that's one of the that's one of the tricks I've learned from the um, the breathing classes that were taken. And so that's one of my my goals is to teach other dentists um, these things that will help patients. And so um, I'm excited about that. I'll have to come back and we'll talk about the breathing thing after I learn yeah. more about it.
0: Yeah, we got a lot of questions we didn't actually get to. I wanted to give you um, do go through about three real quick questions to answer, and then I wanted mm-hmm. to get the root canals before I let you go because I'm yeah. very interested in that. Um, Absolutely. The first one would be, and people will probably kill me if I don't answer these three ones, and you can answer them real quick,
1: best toothpaste,
0: best natural toothpaste for someone out there.
1: You know, I do not have an answer for that. Um, There are so many different um, parameters that people want. They want to have a a certain feel or a certain taste. And I'll just tell you, I think people can make their own. I think a, a coconut oil base is really good. Um, I want people to be careful by putting um, uh, bacon soda. You don't want to brush bacon soda down if you have receded gums. The roots are real soft. Um, but um, a bentonite clay and a coconut oil base, you know, maybe with some essential oils, whatever flavor you like to flavor it, I think are, are really good. Um, anything with with a calcium phosphate, and there are some, you just have to look and read the ingredients. Um, calcium phosphate is actually what remineralizes the teeth, um, and and that's the ingredient that will help you if you need some um, help to remineralize the teeth from the outside. And so it, I don't have an answer for a brand name.
0: Oh, okay. I am working now, on
1: making some some of my own natural products, though, so when I get one made, I'll let you know.
0: Uh, let me know. I'll be the first one to buy it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, toothbrush. I use a Sonicare. Mm-hmm. I, that was recommended mm-hmm. to me years and years ago, and yeah. i kind of wear Just by hold that. it
1: still. Yeah. Just yeah. That's it my still. only
0: problem. Sometimes I have that. I catch myself. I actually did it this morning. I was brushing my teeth, mm-hmm. and I caught myself like using it like a manual toothbrush. And I'm like, remember to hold this thing still.
1: That's right. Hold it still. And I teach people to use just a little cheap disposable toothbrush. I give just cheap disposable toothbrushes, and I give everybody a dozen of them when they come. I want you to stick one on your desk. I want one to stick stick it in your car. So I like people to dry brush during the day. And so my my thing is if you get the bristles under the gum line, you can't move the toothbrush very much, or you'll pull the bristles out from under the gum line. So if you just start in one area, start on one tooth, And I have people usually start on the lower right inside. That's most where everybody bleeds, inside, lower right, whether they're right-handed or left-handed. It doesn't matter because the right side of the body is the positive pole. The negative bacteria are attracted to the right side. So that's why everybody bleeds more on the right. So I just have them stick the bristles under the gum. I don't care how you do it. I don't care how you hold it. I don't care about angles and all that. Just stick the bristles under the gum and jiggle. Try Try to make a manual toothbrush, feel like an electric brush try to make it vibrate under the gums and you just press vibrate lift press vibrate lift press vibrate you just want to clean under the gums cuz that's where that bad stuff happens that's where the that's where the bacteria that 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 tolerate oxygen change into the neighborhood of or the community of bugs that don't tolerate oxygen the bad bugs move in under the gums you want to clean under the gums and get some oxygen under there and and I'll just tell you there's a great product called the hydrofloss that it's like a water pick, but it ionizes the water and that will help clean under the gums down to eight millimeters that's that's deeper than you can get with anything else and so there's scientific research that shows the hydrofloss will actually help uh failing. Uh, teeth, gum disease, failing teeth, failing implants—help to heal those. And there's a um, there's a discount code, and I hope I'm going to say it right. You can just go to hydrofloss.com and get yeah. like 30 bucks off or something if you use 505890. Um, that they, how did you hear about it? And that's just the discount code 505890. That's the cheapest way to get one. But the, I have seen people turn their mouths around with a hydrofloss. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I use an irrigator. It's better than
1: flossing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if it ionizes the water and puts those negative ions in there, the negative ions really do disinfect. And so that's huh. the main thing. Find out if your irrigator uses uh, puts negative ions in your mouth because the hydrofloss does, I know for
0: sure. Oh, okay. I'll have to check that out. Um hmm and i have one more question before we go to the root canals um veneers um mm-hmm. the whole veneer thing uh, are they safe
1: well it depends now 15 or so years ago i had 10 front teeth um cut down almost like a crown you know how for a crown you have to cut all the enamel off the tooth well i had 10 front teeth Cut down like a three quarter crown, so they cut all the enamel off the front and the end of my teeth on the front fifteen years ago well I would never I would never do that to anybody now because there's so many good products that you just put on top of the enamel, and it's kind of like a contact lens that goes on top of your eyeball. You know the mm-hmm. contacts now are so good it's excuse me it's hard to tell sometimes when people are wearing contacts. And so, same thing with the veneers. There are so many materials now out there that are so strong in such a thin way, they just go like contact lenses on top of the teeth, and you don't grind the teeth down. So that's my only that's my only suggestion for people is don't get your teeth ground down for for doing veneers for for looks. And sometimes, if you just want to bleach your teeth, there's lots of of um, of really quick, easy, just paint-on bleaches now. We use a little pen, you just paint-on for three minutes, and it turns to water, and you spit it out. You don't have to rinse or anything. You don't have to have trays or strips or any of that kind of thing. So if you're just looking to change your color, then it's a really, really simple um, paint-on bleach now that's really not harmful. It's, It's hydrogen peroxide that turns to water, and it's in a gel that doesn't drip all over, doesn't hurt your gums. And I've only seen in all these years the bleaching started about nineteen eighty or so. In all those years I've only seen one person bleach too much and I told him, You gotta quit and um you know, he just he just was uh um just neurotic about it. And so it's really hard to damage your teeth um unless you just are doing it way too much and your teeth will turn kind of light blue. Anyway, they go way past white to light blue, and and you can tell you're doing it too much. Like you've seen the people who tan too much, you know,
0: mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. look
1: funny. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with that that thing that you were mentioning, you you mm-hmm. the, how long does that last if you do the the paint the
1: bleaching? Well. If you – a bleaching pin's just an alternative to – if you want to change the shape and the, um, you know, how big your teeth look or close spaces or, you know, make them not look rotated or something, then um, Lumineers is one of the brand names that people hear a lot. I've done a lot, a lot. I've done a ton of Lumineers in my office. And, um, and so that's if you want to change the look of them. Uh, if you just wanna do um the bleaching pen I use gosh I'm not even n I'm not even sure what the name of it is, to tell you the truth, but um we'll give everybody my information. They can call the office. But the little it's a three minute gel. Um you can brush and floss in the morning whatever. Um like while I wash my face or something, I just put the uh paint the uh, bleach gel on my teeth and then while I wash mm-hmm. my face when I'm done I just spit and I'm done. No trays or anything. Now hmm. if your teeth are like a white shirt ketchup and mustard and chocolate and barbecue sauce will stain a white shirt. Your teeth will absorb stain through the years, particularly uh red wine and dark chocolate which I love, things like that. <laughs> so if you're going to if you're going to, you know, put the stains on your teeth, then you got to bleach it off because toothbrushing mm-hmm. won't won't really get it off. Yeah, so you just have to Oh yes, and coffee. That's right. You just want to have your coffee or whatever in the morning and then bleach. Don't bleach and then just drink your coffee cuz you've you've opened the pores a little bit and you want them to seal back after you bleach. So um so it's better to have your coffee and then bleach and then of course don't brush your teeth right after you bleach. If you use any kind of bleach, you don't want to you don't want to brush the teeth that's too abrasive right after you've opened those pores. You can scratch your teeth. So so for any kind of anybody that's bleaching in any way, don't brush right after the bleaching.
0: Yeah, yeah. Last question for you. Let's get into mm-hmm. this thing about root canals. We got about 10 minutes yeah. hopefully you can do it okay. in less than in that time, I know. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah,
1: had yeah. a bit of a well,
0: sore throat. I, um, yep. I, I've heard. How about if
1: I just tell you my? How about if I just tell you my spiel, and my spiel is going to answer most everybody's questions. That okay?
0: Tell us, tell us your spiel. Go okay. right ahead.
1: Okay. Okay. All right so there are there are as many opinions about root canals as there are people now Hal huggins and he's towards the really, really, really conservative group. most people know his name
0: um mm-hmm. he lost
1: his license for speaking out for um you know what's safe for people and um he's done a lot a lot of good for for the um the uh toxicity in dentistry. So he'll tell you, don't have any root canals, don't have any implants, don't have any porcelain, don't have any composite. So we ask Dr. Huggins, um, we, I see him at our IOMT meetings, um, so I have seen him twice already this year, and we say, well, Dr. Huggins, what would you have us do? Take all those teeth out. So that's one opinion way over to the conservative end, and then conventional dentists would say, there's nothing wrong with a root canal, have a root canal, if it doesn't hurt, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, right. my opinion is, is this, and i 've kind of come full circle back and forth um, from root canals are okay to don 't have any there are some there are some balancing um, acts now ozone therapy is a super super balancer for people who um, who people who are relatively very healthy who have root canals and you can maintain those in an energetically balanced state. And so for anybody who's who's familiar with energy medicine, um, or it's actually, um, it's easy to test the voltage of teeth. And so ozone therapy can help you save root canal teeth if if you are relatively healthy, the tooth is relatively healthy, and even though it's got root canal filling. And there is a holistic type filling material, and there is a conventional type filling material. Research shows that the conventional filling material, which is gutta percha, which is a, just a natural rubber substance, that's sterile when the root canal is placed, does allow microbes to move back in and reinfect the tooth, thereby being a chronic infection in the in the body, which is very detrimental. Ozone is the thing that can balance that. So ozone can keep those bugs at bay and keep that, keep that real acid environment um more neutral. Now, if you have autoimmune issues, if you have um um health issues and you're not real healthy, then my my suggestion is you need to weigh very seriously if you're gonna keep any teeth that need to be treated with a root canal. And you treat a root canal you treat a tooth with a root canal because the nerve is dead. That's why you treat one with a with a root canal. And um there are people who say you don't need any dead tissue in your mouth. Um but some people will tell you if they have a denture or a partial that is just hooked to two or three teeth and they are robust, healthy people, and and those root canals then are treated periodically with ozone. Those teeth can test um, with a with a healthy voltage or a healthy um, energetic balance. So there are lots of teeth that are not healthy root canal teeth, and if they show on the X-ray a dark spot around the tip of the root, um, that just shows that that's harboring infection and there's not much more detrimental to you than harboring chronic infection in your mouth in your teeth. Now, we spoke a little earlier about the root canal cancer connection.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Does does having a root canal cause cancer? No, not directly, but is it very detrimental to people to keep infected teeth in their mouth? Absolutely. For anybody who's familiar with the meridians in the body, the teeth are the circuit breakers. The meridians are the energy um, um, uh, electricity pathways. That's our wiring in our body. Our fascia, basically, is our electrical wiring. And a bad tooth will short-circuit that wiring and not let the brain talk to organs or organs talk to muscles that kind of thing, you know what a, you know what a, um, my power flickered at my office today and everything went crazy. So if mm-hmm. you have a short circuited, uh, breaker that flips, then you short circuit the communication in your body and your cells can't talk to one another and your organs can't talk to one another. So the teeth are the circuit breakers in that system. Dr. Jerry Tennant has, um, done, uh, 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 extensive writing on this and, um, And so a short-circuited tooth can allow for um, areas in the body to, uh, distant areas from the tooth to become infected because of a short-circuited tooth. So a bad root canal tooth is a really bad thing. I have noticed in my practice over the last 35 years that as people begin that downward spiral of chronic disease, their body begins to use And this is just my opinion, my, you know, layman's uh, explanation. The body begins to use the mouth as uh, calcium phosphate uh, bank account, savings account. We need calcium phosphate. That's the, the biggest mineral in our body. We need that to make our muscles work. The heart, of course, needs the calcium to beat. We know how important calcium is. Um, and balancing blood pH. You know, that's one of the most important things that the body can do is keep the blood at the right pH, very critical pH. So we use our extra stores of calcium phosphate. Our teeth are just specialized bone. They're the same makeup as bone, mostly calcium phosphate. So I think the, the body's savings account is our mouth, and when the body is in distress and it can't absorb the minerals that it needs because of... Leaky gut and poor digestion, and we've had antibiotics, and now our 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 um, <coughs> gut flora is you know out of balance. Then I think we use the the calcium phosphate out of our mouth to balance and buffer as a as a, um, a safety net. And mm-hmm. in that chronic spiral of downward uh, downward spiral of chronic disease, then people begin to notice they're having teeth abscess. And they're getting more root canals, and I think that is a symptom of an overall chronic disease. Do I think that the teeth actually cause cancer? No, I don't. But I think they lead to um, a further uh, downward spiral of, of ill health. I think they're a sign that things are really going south. And and yes, are there are there um, microbes harbored in those teeth? that have been found in cancers, yes. I think the bacteria and virus and protozoan and um, fungus in our mouth travel all over the body. And I think the body is um, a source of, of distant infection. And there are uh, European and now American studies done in North Carolina that say every breast cancer starts with a lesion in the mouth. So does, does do the teeth actually cause cancer? Indirectly, maybe. But a chronic infection in your mouth is very detrimental to your immune system. And if your immune system is busy over here trying to to work on these abscesses that have been there for years and years and years, your immune system can't go pay attention to other things and eat up cancer the way it's supposed to. We're designed to eat up cancer, to seek it out. Our body's supposed to seek it out and find it and eat it up. And if Mm -hmm. your immune system's busy doing something else, putting out a fire in the mouth particularly if it's putting out one or two or three or four fires in the mouth, it can't do its o- its other job.
0: Yeah, it would be weak. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very, very good explanation, very good explanation. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add?
1: Oh, gosh, I could just talk forever. Um, I know. Uh, We're going to have to have see. you back
0: I'm, on at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I oh, I just you, you have to just stop questions. me. Yeah, you just have to stop me, jump in, and just you know, just hey, let's do something else for a while. Um, <laughs> you, we've hit the really high points. I just I get excited about about teaching all of this, and um, and I have a I have um, if it's okay if I just tell everybody I have an open forum at Dentist dot com um it's a blog and you can ask questions and then also on facebook dearholisticdentist.com, dentist dot com and um I'll, I'll answer any questions you know and love to be back on the show and, and and answer your questions and and um and thank you for having me and um be glad to answer you know anything else nothing else comes to mind right now i, I am really excited about this buteyko breathing thing i'm going to learn tomorrow night so yeah, really excited about that
0: yeah, you can share yeah. that with us uh, next time. And then there's some other questions I wanted to ask you. I actually wanted to get into um, mm-hmm. asking uh, questions around children, but we can do that um, next time you come on and oh, uh, yeah. and touch on some questions that I didn't get asked tonight. But um, thank you for answering the question about the root canals. And thank you oh, for yeah. being on the show, Dr. Stephen.
1: Oh, Listen, Darren. It's Lori, and I'm I'm just like everybody else, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to um, to share this because I get excited about it, and I'll be glad to be back on anytime and um, and answer any questions. And hopefully, they'll you know, the, the the listeners will uh, send you some specifics because I, I love to to help people, and and love to also just give consultations because I'll tell you, dentistry is confusing. And um, even as a dentist, you really have to know the nuances of of just like the root canal question i mean it's just a really complicated um issue and there's just no black there's nothing black and white in mm-hmm. dentistry and so you just have to weigh all of the factors and that kind of thing so um love to love to um answer any more questions anytime you just call me and i'll love to be on the show and so nice to talk to you and and hope everybody um it could could get through my southern accent and i'm i'm sorry i'm <laughs> i'm one of those that stammers and stutters
0: hey. hey don't talk about that i'm from south carolina so I know I have enough. Okay, extension. there you go. That's <laughs> it. All right. Well, listen, Thank thanks,
1: Dear, be- and I really appreciate it.
0: All right. Thank you, and I'll be in touch.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. All Good all night. Right.
0: All right. Great show tonight. We got, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of questions answered. I myself wanted to know a lot more about root canals. And uh like I said, um, when I had Dr. Stevens on the on the air, I didn't really get to answer a lot of my questions. We spent a lot of time on mercury, which I thought was very, very important. Because a lot of people still have mercury amalgams or mercury fillings in their mouth and have not gotten them changed and they could be linked to very, very serious uh issues that they're having, autoimmune diseases or just everyday chronic pains or just illnesses that you never make that correlation that the symptoms that you're having could be from your teeth. So that was very, very important. But hope you uh learned something from the show tonight. And we will have Dr. Stevens back on. I'm actually making my schedule up. I know um next week there won't be a show because the person I was going to interview that is in England actually uh just started her own business and just moved. So she's been tackling a lot of different things. So I won't have her on but I've, hopefully I'll have someone in a week after that, and then we'll begin to have people on the show in November. Probably won't be anything on the week of Thanksgiving, um, just simply because I know that's a busy week. People are leaving and going out of town on that Wednesday um, for a Thursday for Thanksgiving and visiting family and whatnot. So we won't have a show then, and then December we'll probably have... Uh, a show the first and second week of December, maybe third week, and then um, that week of Christmas and then the week uh, going into New Year's, there will not be a show, and then hopefully in uh, January, the second week of January, second Wednesday of January, we'll kick off the show with some new shows, and then something that I want to do is start doing a show also on Monday, so Monday and Wednesdays, we'll have, we'll begin to start having two shows, and if you haven't, please go into iTunes and uh, write a review on the show. Download the show, listen to them if you're interested in your health. Just by listening to these people who come on here who have written books and who are, are quote-unquote experts on these topics, you can learn a ton of information. And that's how I started learning uh, about nine years ago, just by listening to other people reading books. Um, so you have the advantage of uh, – going and downloading the shows and listening to them on your iPod. That's all I used to do to gain knowledge. And then if you don't have an iPod or um, would like to listen to the shows, they're also archived in Blog Talk Radio. So any show that you're particularly interested in, you just go to Blog Talk Radio, click on it, and you're able to listen to it on there. Shows are also in YouTube. If you want to listen to it through YouTube, you can go to YouTube. I have most of the shows. I'm still working on those. Uh, getting those uploaded into YouTube, and share them. Share them with people. Everybody needs to know about their health because health is wealth. So thank you for listening tonight. Um, as always, next week we won't have a show, but our show will always be on the same fat time, same fat channel, Wednesday at 8, and on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks again for listening to the show, and peace and love. Until next time.